all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Welcome back to MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television show of all time, hosted by two guys who love the show, but for completely different reasons. My name is Ryan Patrick, and I am uh, thrilled once again to be joined by my partner, Mr. Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan Patrick, and I am likewise as thrilled. It's always a thrill to be with somebody who is as talented as you and someone who is as great a fan of MASH as you are, because otherwise I'd be out here going, I don't know what happened to episode 12. I have no idea. So thank you for <laughs> guiding me through this journey, as well as our great listeners and our great uh, MASH fans. Yeah. I mean, before this, you didn't even know what a podcast was. Did not. And I thought it was like, you know, some science fiction movie or something, the pods and the guys, I don't know, they came from out of space. I didn't know, nor did I know how to listen to one. Now, yeah. here we are. I'm doing one. How about those potatoes? Wow. Attack of the Podcast People. I think that was a Roger Corman film from 1958, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, I think it was. Yes. Wonderful (laughs) film. Well, once again, we are going to tackle a long list of uh, listener questions and comments. But before we get to the new questions and comments, we want to follow up on a question from two episodes ago. We had the subject come up about the MASH theme song and who plays the guitar at the beginning of the MASH theme song and we did not know so we put it out to the listeners and the listeners came through once again you are all awesome we did get a lot of information and i'm not sure that we have the definitive answer but we had multiple people so paul and noah adam steven and i'm sure there are some other folks too that i'm forgetting but uh, all of them wrote in and said hey we know who played the guitar on the opening theme that was tommy tedesco he was a part of a, a group of la studio musicians known as The Wrecking Crew, and I guess there was even a film made about The Wrecking Crew in recent years. But Tommy Tedesco is the name that we heard a lot from listeners. Hey, it's Tommy Tedesco, Tommy Tedesco. But then we also heard from Lisa, and Lisa found another name, Robert Bain. Robert Bain was uh, also a studio musician. He was in the Tonight Show band with Johnny Carson and was on a lot of different soundtracks. Well, she found an interview with Robert Bain where he talks about recording the guitar part of MASH. What she's also finding from this interview, Lisa found that it was a guitar duet. So while it's not explicitly mentioned in Robert's answer, I'm wondering if the duet was indeed played by Robert Bain and Tommy Tedesco. I'm just connecting some dots here. But Jeff, Lisa found this interview with the late Robert Bain, and we will put a link to this interview if you would like to read it in our show notes for this episode. But I I thought that his answer was pretty interesting, and it gives us a little insight into the recording of the theme song. Would you mind reading the words of Robert Bain? I would be honored to read the words of Robert Bain. Johnny Mandel is really the one who is responsible for that. He scored the original motion picture. When it came time for the TV version, 20th Century Fox picked it up. Johnny wrote the theme, orchestrated it, and supplied cues for the first couple of episodes. After that, he gave it to somebody else. But he did write the guitar part that appears at the opening. It was actually written for two guitars in the key of B minor. One guitar played B and F sharp, and the other guitar played the thirds. 
As the show became popular, the union law said that you had to re-record the theme every year. So we'd come back in the next year and Lionel Newman would say, let's add a few more guitars. (laughs) So now we did the theme with four guitars and the next year they would be six guitars. Since there were only two parts originally, you had guys who were ad-libbing and strumming along or whatever. As it turned out, the original recording with two guitars continued to be used for the entire run of the series. Even though you would come in and do another annual session, the producers could use the original track as long as the guys were paid their union fees. If you ever listen to the theme of Maj closely, you'll notice that there are different versions that they use throughout the series. The editor for that week's show could choose the particular rendition he wanted to use for that particular show or season. But Johnny Mandel really deserves the credit. After all, who would ever think of starting a TV show with just two guitars playing? Most people would say, that just didn't have enough sound. But it worked. In the words of Robert Bain. Thank you to Lisa and also to Stephen and Adam and Noah and Paul and everybody who let us know the names of these players. It's always wonderful to be able to give credit where credit is due because so many of these musicians never received the credit for the pieces of music that they were a part of. And and many of these songs and these uh, orchestrations have left an indelible mark, really, because they're they're parts of TV shows and movies and, and things that were all big parts of our lives. So it's it's always nice to be able to give them their due. Their due, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I have a friend who was in the music business and his, uh, we used to talk about studio musicians and some of those musicians were incredibly talented people. Oh, yeah. And they did incredible work on iconic music, but you never knew who they were. You never knew their names or anything about them. So mm-hmm. it's it really, it is cool when somebody can kind of be uh, identified and you sort of know how that how that went down. So that's cool. Also, the episode before last, we heard from, I believe her name was Sally, who was the uh, the young lady who uh, wrote us and told us how wonderful MASH is and how much she enjoyed the podcast. And she was, I think, 13 years old. Yeah. We also heard from Owen. I wanted to give out a shout to Owen because Owen says, I would like to say thank you for this. I am 14 years old and I have been watching MASH with my family every day. It brings us as a family together and it's something that is always making us laugh. Thank you for your time to keep on the MASH legacy, not just for old people, but for the young generation. I love you guys. Well, thank you, Owen. Us old people love you too, Owen. Thank Uh, you. These young people today, Ryan, (laughs) aren't they wonderful? I'm telling you, boy. Whippersnappers. Yeah, whippersnappers. And snappers all the way in the store. Get off my lawn. Get Get your snappers and your whippers and get out of here. Hey, thank you, Owen. That was very nice of you. Now go to bed. Yeah, (laughs) it's past your bedtime. Before we jump into new questions and comments, Jeff, let's give a shout out to our Patreon VIPs. These are the folks who help make this show possible, and you also can support the show at mashmatters.com slash support and sign up to be a Patreon VIP, just like Private M. Linval and Private Jessica Blom, Corporal Timothy Burleson, Captain Tim Livingston, Captain Nicole Volk, Major Barbara Neewig, and Major Derek Wade. Thank you for supporting Mash Matters on Patreon. Can I stop saluting now? Yeah, you can. Okay. Put your hand down. Thank you. And put on some pants, would you? Oh, jeez. Don't say that. Everybody knows now. (laughs) Oh, God. Hey, we have some wonderful letters or questions, don't we? (laughs) I think, yes. I think. And this is from Mouse. (laughs) Yes. Mouse. 
Hmm. The mice are writing to us even. I wonder how they listen. Those They must have little tiny headphones. Can I tell you something? Can I make yeah. a confession? Sure. Okay. I hate mice. Oh, no. If there is a mouse in the house, I would rather just go put a for sale sign in the front yard and just abandon all my stuff and start over from scratch than to have to deal with a mouse in the house. I just do not like mice. Now, I'm totally fine with mouse who wrote us this question you're about to read. But as far as the little vermin that, uh, you know, invade your homes and yeah. try to eat your stuff. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely cannot deal with those. I like them, uh, especially with garlic and butter. It's really good. Throw a little cilantro on there, some paprika. 350, fry them <laughs> first on either side, and then into the oven. You know, some people don't like snakes. Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with snakes because yeah. snakes eat mice. So by all means, I want snakes all around my house. Snakes are good as well, fried up. <laughs> a little olive oil, mm. oh. and the skin gets really crispy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. good. I think we've gone off the rails here. Mouse says, hello, Mash Matters. I'm loving your podcast. Having seen the entire run a thousand times, it's fun to have new content to the MASH universe. Every time I make a run from here to Detroit, I... Uh, <laughs> you should take a bus. I mean, running from here to Detroit. You're gonna... <laughs> Every time I make a run from here to Detroit, I always stop at Paco's, but I still haven't run into Jamie Farr yet. I am a 42-year-old dude living in Jersey City. I absolutely love MASH since I can remember. Igor is one of my favorite characters. You see there, mice are smart, Ryan. They're very smart. Congrats, Jeff, on a great run. So I'm not sure if this has been asked yet, but my question has to do with the mess tent. I know the characters always complained about the army food, but when everyone was drinking from the coffee urn and eating the food, did it sort of double for the commissary or munchies for the actors? Was it real coffee and food to fill the time and bellies for the actors and extras? Well, Mouse, yes, it was real food and it filled our bellies. Yeah. It was actually food that was made in the commissary in the morning and it would be brought down and it was all hot and steamy. And then they would throw it in the mess tent containers there that you see on the steam table. Sometimes the prop guys would throw in some milk or cream or water or something and make the potatoes really sloppy so I could flop them. <laughs> they, they wanted to make the food look as unappealing and unappetizing as possible. Right. The truth is we did eat it. Um, it was in the morning and there were breaks between you know shots and there was some bacon sitting there. So you know, you, people came by and munched on the bacon because it was good. <laughs> the coffee, you know, the coffee, that's a good question. That, I don't That's remember what that. I was interested in because we, we have talked about the food and the mess tent before, but yeah. him bringing up the coffee is something I had not thought about because there is that big urn yeah. there, you know, yeah. and, and they would pour something into their cups and drink it, but I didn't know if it was actual coffee or water or, or what it was. That's a good question. I, I will have to run through my memory banks and see if I can remember something. I kind of remember that we used to pour the stuff that was in the cups that wasn't used back in that big urn. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, just because they didn't want to run out of the coffee. I ah, think I mm. kind of think I remember that. Either that or it was some pranking going on. <laughs> so what is in the urn? Backwash. Yeah. That's what's in the urn. Backwash. Yum, yum, yum. From Steve. Steve says, hello, Jeff and Ryan. I am a longtime UK MASH fan emailing you to tell you how much I'm appreciating your wonderful podcast 
podcast, especially at this difficult time in our lives. Both Mash Matters and Alan's Clear and Vivid podcast are providing a much-needed diversion from the rather depressing news of late. It's particularly fitting that a medical TV series that I enjoyed in my teenage years is still having a curative mental effect later on in life. As Hawkeye may have said, take two episodes of MASH with a podcast and call me in the morning. (laughs) That's not to say it was all perfect. In particular, the British accents. Hmm. Most U.S. shows fall into a trap of assuming we either speak in an upper-class officer-type accent typical of the royals or... A Cockney London accent. And there, see see what I'm doing there? I don't even know that I did those right. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Patrick. He's available Thursdays through Saturdays. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Steve. I am so sorry. MASH did fall into this trap a bit. I can't help but cringe as a few Dick Van Dyke-isms sneak through. Some actors come over okay. The British officer Colonel Griswold with the ingrown toenail in Hey Doc was pretty near the mark. But in general, all British characters were either Cockneys or posh. As with America, there are a large number of regional accents and dialects in the UK. I myself hail from the strange northern tribe known as Geordies. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry. Maybe it's Geordies. Geordies. I'm so sorry, Steve. Steve's not going to listen to us anymore after this. Famous for their coal mining and steel working, a bit like Pittsburgh, but tougher. (laughs) Having said that, If you tried this accent on MASH, no one would have understood what is being said, including the actor and probably most of Britain as well. I know MASH was produced for U.S. audiences, and most of these wouldn't know the difference, but we do. Having said that, it does add to the charm of the best TV series ever to come out of the States. I shouldn't complain, really. We got MASH without the laugh track. lucky. Wow, that's pretty cool. MASH Matters has really reinvigorated the series for me and keeps the legacy alive for both old and new fans. You guys both deserve an honorable knighthood. Hey, how about that, Sir Jeff? (laughs) Yes, thank you. Before I nip off, I would like to mention my favorite Igor scene. It comes from your retention, please, and it relates to the line from Igor to the retention officer. And Igor, I think you should say this line, not me. Sarge, I got a great looking gal to go home to, not to mention my wife. So it just ain't in the cards. This line was delivered without any hint or irony and indeed guilt from Igor, which makes what essentially is an old joke all the more priceless. I never fail to laugh at that one. I hope these podcasts endure for a long, long time. They are really vital and a real tonic. Kindest regards and sincere thanks. Steve Dowd, Newcastle upon Tyne, England. Yes, and that line was delivered with very little talent as well. So. <laughs> happens to be that we're able to do it today. That was part of your charm, Jeff. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Hey, do we have anybody with no talent? Yeah, Jeff's good. Bring him over here. Yeah. Well, that was pretty cool. That's interesting to know about all this stuff. We, I learned something about the Cockneys and the upper class and the Royals yeah. and everybody and the accents. And mm-hmm. gee, thanks, Steve. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Okay. Newcastle uh, upon, yeah, upon time. Wow. Is that beer? That's beer, isn't it? Newcastle? No, I mean, I'm just letting you talk all this out. You're just letting me, <laughs> the poor guy with no talent just ramble on. He's going right down. He's circling the plane, looking for a place He's to land. Just, crash yep. in the rocks below. There he goes. <laughs> Kelly says, I just want to take a moment to thank you for all your work with MASH Matters. All right, Kelly. Thank you. I live in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, and I want you to know how much I appreciate your efforts. Well, I want you to know how much we appreciate you listening to our efforts, by golly. Yeah. In January of this year, I started my year of improvement. I am doing my best to take off those COVID pounds and just improve my health and well-being. 
I'm walking five kilometers a day, and the only way I'm getting through these treks is by listening to MASH Matters. Wow! You keep me walking through rain, sleet, and shine, and so far I'm down 27 pounds and three inches. Hey! That's a lot. 27 pounds is a lot of pounds. That is. Wow. Go Kelly. You know, I was a kid, I was really fat. Uh, and my parents sent me to a psychiatrist. He put me on two couches. I mean, that's not right. <laughs> oh. How are you, ladies and gentlemen? We're here all week. Thank you for the amazing stories from the set. I've extended the thanks to Loretta Swit and told her she needs to be your third wheel. Well, I'm sure Loretta loved that one. <laughs> Love it when you have her on. Oh, that's cool. It We do too, don't we? Is that fun to have Loretta oh, on? Oh, yes, absolutely. She's adorable. She's I love her dearly. Keep up the great work and thanks again. Thank you. Kelly, thank you. Wonderful stuff and keep losing that weight. I, of course, I would not tell Loretta that she's a third wheel. I think she's the first wheel and you and I are like the training wheels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. You know? Yeah. We welcome Loretta back anytime until she decides to just do her own podcast and leave us in the cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kelly, that's great. Thank you. I'm glad that we are able to keep you company on your walks and keep up the great work. And from Kurt, Kurt says, hey, guys, still loving the show. Just wanting to see if there is any update on the improved cookbook. I got one signed by Jeff, but definitely want to get the improved version when it's available. Once I get it, I would really enjoy if I could get both of you to sign it, if that's possible. Thank you for everything you do. And uh, hey, we also got an, a message from Jeff, not you, Jeff, but another Jeff. Unless, Jeff, you are sending emails to mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com mm -hmm. as yourself asking questions mm -hmm. of yourself, which is really more something that you should be probably talking about with your therapist rather than <laughs> here on the podcast. But anyway, Jeff also yeah. asked the same question. We've also had people on Twitter and, and Facebook pop in and say, hey, any update on the cookbook? I'd really love to buy a copy, but I want to make sure that you're happy with the book that's being sold before we buy it. So Jeff, do you have an update? Uh, let me bring on my attorney, Arnold Throck. Uh, Arnold, okay. could you come over here? And no, I don't want to talk about it now. All right, Arnold. He, he doesn't <laughs> want to talk about it. Uh, uh, typical Arnold. Know. Yeah, he's, he's, he just charged me for what he just said, too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, update on the cookbook. <laughs> I am working on it. <laughs> All right. There uh, you, you go, know, folks. That's the truth. These things yeah. take a long time. There's lots of moving parts to it, uh, but I truly am working on it. I believe it's a, an important thing. You know, the book was a very important thing to me when I wrote it. I poured my heart and soul into it. I had a great time writing it. I had a lot of support from a lot of wonderful people writing it. I wanted to make it as fun for anybody who would like to cook something as I could. And I also wanted to make it as mashy as I could and, and instill it with as much mash spirit as I possibly could. That's why I included letters from Igor to his mom and uh, all kinds of little sort of secret things that were actually hidden in those letters. Mm -hmm. But I was uh, proud of it. I still am. I was proud of the pictures that I was able to include in, in it because I personally picked out a lot of those pictures from videotapes that I went through and spent months going back and forth and saying, hey, that shot would be good in the book. A lot of the photographs that I took on the set are in the back of it. So I was very proud of it. Still am very proud of it. What happened was that the publisher, the original publisher, uh, was careless. And uh, somehow, I won't go into the details, but somehow the files that actually produced the book and made it look like it did when it was originally published were destroyed. And so without those files, the only way that the book can be created is to have it digitally recreated. 
or some goofball pretty much runs it through a Xerox machine. And unfortunately, the books that they are selling now kind of look like it's run through a bad old Xerox machine without any ink in it. Mm -hmm. So I'm working very hard to restore the quality of the book. Uh, Certainly, this was not Shakespeare or anything, uh, but it was pretty cute. And I'm working hard to restore the quality of the book because I'm my name is on it. Right. And I'm not proud of the way it looks now, and my name is still on it. So as long as my name is on it, I'm going to work real hard to make it look like it did originally. So I thank all of you for asking the question. Like I said, it's a lot of moving parts. You have to talk to a lot of people. There are distributors. There's publishers. There's all kinds of things involved. So I'm working on it. And as soon as I get that green light, and I know it's going to look as good as I would like it to look, and it deserves to look, I will be going and ask you to buy 70,000 copies. <laughs> well, plus you also need a little more time because you're adding those snake and mouse recipes. Exactly. Thank you. Well, yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> snake and mouse recipes. And Kurt, I don't know why you would want me to sign your book, but if you want to lower the quality of the book with my signature... By all means, we can try to make that happen. Well, may I? Okay. So can I say this? Can I say a little secret thing? Sure. Okay. It's a little secret thing. We cannot say what it is yet, but we are working on something that will be really fun that uh, everybody might really enjoy having with signatures on it. Uh, I can't say what it is yet, (laughs) but it's going to be really cool and really fun and you're going to want one or 12. That's what they call in the biz a tease. Yeah. And it's really nice of you, Ryan, to write everybody a check like that. I think oh, that's well, really sweet of you. Yeah, as long as they don't cash it, we're good. Yeah, good. All right, let's go to a voicemail. This one coming to us from Jerry. Hey, Jeff and Ryan, it's Jerry out here in Boston. Recently have uh, been watching some old reruns of the match game. Question for you, regarding Gary Berghoff has been on the show recently, and he is so animated, so funny, running around and making all sorts of jokes. I always wondered if when the camera was off, was he like that on the set? Love the show. Keep it going. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. So, Jeff, when the camera was off, was Gary as wacky and crazy as he was on the match game? Well, here's the real answer. Probably not. (laughs) Certainly he was very animated. He was very fun to be around and a very genuinely funny human being. But during the day when you get into the set, you know, everybody's being paid a fair amount of money from uh, seven o'clock in the morning to whenever it stops at night to do the job. And so you're at work. And uh, being at work, you're not necessarily as wacky kooky as you would be in other places, except if you're, you know, acting a character, which is going to be fun and you're going to instill it with a lot of wacky kookiness when it's appropriate. So that's what he was doing. Certainly we would sit down at a table and talk with him and he's a very funny guy and he's a wonderful human being. I love him dearly. Oh yeah. But probably he wasn't as animated there as he was on that show because the other side of this is that when you're on a show like that, you're kind of supposed to be animated. Mm Mm-hmm. So your job is to do that kind of thing, to have fun, to have the audience enjoy you and to have the, you know, hope the audience will have fun by watching what you do. So that animation is sort of heightened, yeah. not exaggerated. It's not phony because it's real, but it's just purposeful. That's what his job was, is to have fun and be animated. 
And that's not just Gary. That's a lot of performers. Uh, there, you know, a lot of performers turn it on for the camera or they turn it on for the stage. But when they're not working, they are very private, oftentimes very quiet, sometimes introverted. They're not the same persona necessarily that they are on screen as they are off screen. And, you know, and that's also a testament to uh, their skills as actors and performers mm-hmm. that you would believe yes. that that is how they are when the cameras are off. I, I had a little opposite sort of approach. When they turned the cameras on, uh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> I got lucky. I thought, yeah. you know, I'm going to do anything, see if it works. And it did, you know, it kept... <laughs> Jeff, what are you going to do? Nothing. Okay, fine. Do it. Do it again. But as soon as they yelled "cut," boy, you came to life. I'm, I'm like you know Jerry Lewis out there. <laughs> I also have a theory that at any given time, at least half of the panelists on the match game were loaded. <laughs> Absolutely, they just were. plastered. <laughs> Positively, yeah. You know they do, and on a show like that, they have a green room where all the people hang out, and producers get them plastered. They get them yeah. hammered because uh-huh. they're more fun. You get loose and have a great time, and it makes for a better show. <laughs> we're plastered now, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's why this show is so Shh. good. Oh, I don't want them to know. <laughs> and uh, I can quit at any time. I can stop any time, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, Paul from Brisbane, Australia. Hi, guys. I've finally caught up on all the podcasts after only hearing about it on Facebook. Loving it. You've heard a million times what MASH means to us fans, so I won't go into that. Except to say my brother and I grew up on the show and still quote lines in our daily lives. Cool. I bet many fans do the same. I recently met a lady who swims with great white sharks without a cage. That's a tough lady. (laughs) Um, To get pictures that she could share online. I said, if we had more people like you, we'd have less people like you. Thank you, Hawkeye. All right. My question is this. One of my favorite Igor scenes that, to my recollection, hasn't been mentioned is a sick Colonel Potter and Igor describing how the salmonella they have is like riding on the ocean. Ryan will note if Jeff has forgotten. Um, <laughs> do you know it? Because, I do. Uh, have you forgotten it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. Um, the <laughs> eyes, you can almost feel Igor's nausea. One of his best moments, in my opinion, ending with Potter almost throwing up and saying, Move over. <laughs> Brilliant, hilarious scene. Does Jeff remember it? And did you have many takes? Harry Morgan is equally brilliant. I don't know how you kept a straight face. Thank you so much. All the best, guys. By the way, I've lived in Australia all my life and have never heard of a koala spire, but do agree that the redback is indeed the stupidest of all Aussie arachnids. Well, there you go. There you go. Okay, I do remember that scene. It was really fun to do, and it was great doing it with Harry. I mean, come on. I get to do that thing with Harry Morgan. One of the best moments of my life. Yeah. It really was. And having him do it the way he did it and crawl into the cot with me. Boy, I'm telling you, that was a lot of fun. So, yeah, thank you. It was a hilarious scene. And did we crack up? No, we really didn't because there is a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We didn't crack up because we're so brilliant and such great professionals. Some lesser actors probably would have, but, you know, we've got Harry Morgan and Jeff Maxwell. Give me a break. And from Jeff, uh, again, I don't think this is from you, Jeff, but if it is, I'm going to answer your question. Okay, thank you. I just finished watching Chief Surgeon Who? Have you ever considered that at the party, Hawkeye was presented as the trappings of his office with a plunger? 
In this and another episode, when they were bugging out, they had plungers at a field hospital with latrines. <laughs> Ponderous. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I had never thought of that. But yes, plungers have played a uh, pivotal role in several MASH episodes. And um, yeah, there's nothing to plunge. I mean, I guess there are the sinks in the scrub room. Yeah. And I mean, of course, there was, you know, Jeff's cooking. So sometimes, yeah, you, you know, you they did have a purpose, I think, in camp. But um, but yeah, it's true. You would not use a plunger in a latrine. I, I don't see how that would work. That's really interesting. Yeah. I never thought of that. I wonder if any of the mash plungers are in the Smithsonian with the yarn. <laughs> Curious now. I have to look that up. And Michael says, <laughs> <laughs> I'm plunging into this just like I should. Oh. Oh. Hey guys, my name's Mike. I'm 33 and live in Manitoba, Canada. I've been a MASH fan since I was a kid, watching with my grandparents. You must be very tired, Mike. I just recently found your podcast after Loretta Swit posted about it on Facebook. I'm slowly getting caught up by listening to it at work. The reason I'm messaging you guys right now is because of a little story I heard on a Bob Saget podcast. Recently, he interviewed Bob Newhart, who referenced MASH a few times in the interview. Bob Newhart was talking about another movie he was in at the time the MASH movie was being made and mentioned he was offered the part of Father Mulcahy. Since Jeff was part of casting, it immediately made me think of this podcast and I wanted to share it with you guys. Personally, as much as I love the show, I don't care for the movie. Either way, I do love what you guys are doing and especially love the interviews. Keep up the good work and stay safe. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. This, uh, yeah, thank you. I had not heard this interview. I love Bob Newhart. Yeah, and uh, I had not uh, listened actually to any episodes of Bob Saget's podcast until I listened to this one. And uh, here, I'm going to play a little clip. I don't think we have permission to play this clip, but I also don't think Bob Saget is listening to the podcast. So you know, I think we'll be okay. But here's a little clip of Bob Newhart talking about his association with the Mash film. Anyway, what happened was. Um, because oddly enough, I was offered a role in MASH at the same time I was doing Catch-22. But out of loyalty to Mike, I, I declined the, the, the part in, in MASH. What part would that have been? I think it was the priest. Oh, Father the, Mulcahy. The Father Mulcahy, yeah. I think so, yeah. Out of loyalty to Mike, I, I turned down the, the, the part of Father Mulcahy. And... Uh, <clears throat> and MASH came out before Catch-22. Right. And it took all the steam out of Catch-22 because it became it became the, the anti-war film. And mm -hmm. then Mike's became just another anti-war film. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I, I cannot picture Bob Newhart playing Father Mulcahy in the MASH motion picture. I just cannot see that. I don't know if it would have taken me out of the film to go, oh, look, that's Bob Newhart. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know, but that that's really an interesting story. I had never heard that, and uh, thank you, Michael, for sharing that. Jeff, you were a part of the casting process with the MASH motion picture, but did you know this? Did, did, did you have any recollection of this? No, I had no idea. No, th those kinds of decisions were probably not even run through the casting department. Mm -hmm. Those would probably come from uh, maybe the director or producer who'd say, they just call up Bob Newhart and say, 
call Bob News agent. Tell him I want him to be in this movie. And they would do that and see what ha- would happen. But there probably were, wouldn't have been auditions or anything for it, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it might have been run through a casting director. Usually guys like that, they don't do that at first. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, w- I, heard, I heard nothing about it. Well, now you have. Now I have. And it, interesting, I agree with you. I don't. I cannot imagine Bob Newhart playing that role. Yeah. Hey, uh, we will put a link to that episode in our show notes. It's uh, Bob Saget's Here For You is the name of the podcast. And uh, we'll put a link to Bob Newhart's episode so you can uh, listen to the whole interview. Bob, wait, if you like. Bob Saget, too. What, what Bob? Hey, what are you doing playing my podcast on your damn podcast? Come on. <laughs> That's my podcast. That's a right Do you have an attorney in here? Jeez, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm sorry, Bob. It was it was Ryan's call Ryan. I I didn't do it. We'll sick one of those koala spiders on him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Joel says hi Ryan and Jeff. My brother turned me onto your podcast. We're both fans, and we've both been fans of Mash since as long as I can remember. After a recent viewing of the Mash finale, I noticed one small continuity error that someone, maybe Jeff, might be able to shed some light on. I call this one Clinger the Magician. When the tank rolls into camp at the beginning of the show with the wounded crew member, it appears to be what I believe is an M24. During the course of the show, the camp keeps getting shelled in increments of three. They're at a loss of what to do, and i seems to be no help, so Klinger gets the idea to cover the tank with the medical tent to try to fool the enemy army, which in the end does not help. But somehow, miraculously, perhaps magically, Klinger was able to change the M24 tank into an M4, but no one in the camp seemed to notice. Klinger pulled off some kind of David Copperfield trick that deserves recognition and perhaps should land him an honorary membership in the Society of American Magicians or at least special recognition at the Magic Castle in Los Angeles. Perhaps it was a different tank because of the fire that really broke out during filming and maybe the other tank was damaged or destroyed because of it. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Joel. And Joel actually sent us some screen grabs from the episode to show us that the tank that rolls in at the beginning is indeed not the same tank yeah. that rolls yeah. out at the end. So thank you, Joel, for noticing that. We'll put those photos in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, that's that's quite a goof, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> when you see the two pictures, the two tanks side by side, it's obvious they're not the same tank. You know what probably happened? They were shooting the scene. They shot the scene. They ran out of uh, light because they were shooting it at the ranch. And that's what happens when the sun goes down. Everybody stops shooting things. And they needed to, to pick up the shot. They needed another shot. They couldn't get it. So they had to come back a few weeks or a month later to do that shot, to pick that shot up. So they call up the tank guy and say, hey, tank guy, we got we to send us that tank again. The guy says, I don't know. What tank was it? I don't know. Send us the same tank. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll send you the same tank. And they roll in with the tank. Probably not anybody on the set would have known it wasn't the same tank. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's going, oh, yeah, good. The tank is here. Quick, get the shot. Yeah. They do it. (laughs) They don't know tank from schmank. So, you know, there it is. And that's probably what happened. That's crazy. William says, I'm a huge MASH fan. I watch almost every episode three times a year. I say almost because I've not watched the final episode in my 46 years on Earth. Oh, my goodness. I am afraid once I watch it, it'll be over. My kids are worried (laughs) there will be an accident and I'll die having not seen it. We've made a deal. I'm going to watch it with them on my 50th birthday. Well, my goodness. All right. Well, 
I, I, oh, gee, I hope you don't have any accidents. I feel bad now because we just gave him a major spoiler that there's two different tanks in the finale. So, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, William. By the way, yeah. the war ends, too. That's yeah. another spoiler yeah. alert right there. Ah, gee. I know. Oh, I know. I'm ruining it. I'm ruining it. Yeah. I, but you know what? It's, this is really interesting because my daughter did something similar with the Harry Potter books. She read all of the Harry Potter books, and then she read the first half of the final Harry Potter book, and she has never finished it because she's afraid that when she finishes it, it's over. She won't have it anymore. <laughs> I, I've always questioned that logic, but now I see William is using the same logic, although I guess he is going to uh, finally watch it on his 50th birthday, so I'll tell my daughter that she can finish reading the Harry Potter book on her 50th birthday <laughs> in honor of William. <laughs> Well, maybe she could read it on his 50th birthday. <laughs> they, could, they could get together and yeah. do that whole one big there you thing. That can be kind of fun. All right. And let's wrap up. This is from Marie. Wrap up. We've just started, for gosh sake. Wrap up. Time flies when you're having fun. Welcome to MASH Matters, everybody. We'd love to start out with a couple of letters. This is from Marie. And Marie lives in Sweden. Hi there. I just want to say hello and thank you for your wonderful podcast and a huge thank you for the latest episode. Loretta Swit is always a joy to listen to and it's always wonderful to hear someone speak about their passions. I have already commented this, but if you can manage to have her on the show on a weekly basis, I'm all for that. Man, I'm seeing a theme here. Yeah. Yeah. Are you getting a message or what? I don't know. I'm feeling a little insecure. She's like coming as a guest host and then she's going to, you know, she's going to Jay Leno us. So uh, she said, "That's a verb, isn't yeah. it?" You're, yeah, you're, we got Leno. Yeah, yeah. You're Leno. <laughs> uh, she says she's all for that, though. Marie wants she's all for that. She says the people of Sweden demand it. Uh, one of us do anyway. So Marie is demanding it on behalf of Sweden. So uh, she goes on to say, "I also want to thank you for keeping me company during many lonely work days at the home office, well, technically kitchen, because unbeknownst to you, you have been my work buddies ever since I discovered the podcast last year. The pod is always interesting, clever, and." funny well always okay i don't know about that perfect to listen to while being creative at work a little while back i was listening to an older episode laughing about something and my boss called so i put the podcast on pause answered and talked to him all the time with a big smile on my face before we hung up he said marie i am so glad we talked you sound so happy and this was like a vitamin injection so thanks to the two of you i'm on my boss's good side and i'm now the company's official ray of sunshine Thank you, work buddies. Keep up the good work. I look forward to what's to come in the future. And if you're ever in Sweden, give me a call. Drinks are on me. Oh, good. Oh, that woke me up. Hey. Hey. All right. Holy moly. So, Wait, how, what's, what are the flights? How, what are the tickets? <laughs> are they expensive? Yeah. Marie, drinks are on you. Goshy. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool. Thank you. That's that's fun. Yeah. So, w- w- are we vitamin MM? Is that what we'd be? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You're vitamin J, and I'm vitamin R. Yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. And of course, whenever I hear Sweden, I can't help but think of Loretta's line. Sweden. Oh, I've always wanted to visit Sweden. I hear the scenery is so tall. <laughs> So there you go. There's your dose of sweat. Hope you like that, Marie. <laughs> yeah. Golly. Okay. Yeah. Compare that with this joke. Oh, Sweden. Hey, I love your meatballs. Ha ha. Now you're talking humor. <laughs> All right. And that does it for this episode of Mash Matters. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs>
I know, right? I think we, you know, we let's see, we've insulted uh, Canadians on this episode. We've insulted yeah. people in the UK. Attorneys, attorneys. Attorneys and uh, mice and snakes and... Uh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Now the entire nation of Sweden. So <laughs> I think we should probably stop while we're ahead. Oh, please, please. If you would like to reach out to us, just like Marie and everybody did in this episode, you can email us, mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail under three minutes in length at 513 513- 436-4077. Or you can also uh, record a little voice memo and email it to us as well. We'd be happy to play that in place of a voicemail. Or if you change your mind, you can write to Bob Saget podcast.com and discuss it with him or Loretta because evidently you know Loretta is going to be the new host of Mash Matters soon too so you can find us on Twitter you can find us on Facebook YouTube uh, Instagram uh, subscribe to us listen to us rate us review us do whatever you want to do and you know spread the word if you know uh, a Mash fan or somebody who has just discovered the show give them the gift of Mash Matters because that's the gift that keeps on giving yes and Loretta Switz going to have Ryan Patrick and Jeff Maxwell on as some guests sometimes. So that's going to be exciting for you. Until then, here's looking up your old address. <laughs> <laughs>